Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. and welcome to Valley Point Church. It is great to see you. Before we dive into concluding our series today, I do just want to take a moment and thank you for your generosity. One of the things that I love about our church is that this is a generous place and a various a very generous culture has been built here and it's exciting to watch. We we state it this way. Generosity refreshes others. Proverbs 11.25 says that the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And I want to share with you just a little bit about how that has been happening here in our local communities. This past week, we had the chance, because of the success of our Christmas initiative, to sponsor 10 school assemblies in five different schools in Pennsylvania and Delaware. So we brought in an individual who runs what is called the Pro-Kids Show. The Pro-Kids Show is a character-based school assembly that deals with compassion and generosity and kindness. Tim, the guy who leads these shows, deals with the schools and their anti-bullying programs as well. So it's just a wonderful presentation that teachers love, Students love, and the schools have a great time when the Pro Kids show arrives. And so we were able to sponsor 10 of these shows at Garnet Valley Elementary, Bethel Springs Elementary, the Garnet Valley Middle School, as well as Lancashire Elementary and Hanby Elementary in Delaware. And I was able to get to most of these shows, and I can tell you that the response was overwhelming. Again, teachers just loved it. They laugh quite a bit. The students love it. I even had one teacher after one of the assemblies come to me and say, we are so thankful that Valley Point is part of our community. And so I share that with you just so you know that our generosity is making a difference. It's having an impact right here in our communities. It's refreshing others. I think at the same time, it's also refreshing to us. So thank you so much for what you give here at Valley Point. It matters and it makes a difference. Before we look to scripture, I want to take just a moment and pray together. Father, we step into your presence now and we are thankful for today. We're thankful for this time that we have to quiet our hearts before you and just open our minds to whatever it is that you want to say to us. God, I believe you brought each and every person here for a reason. There's something that they need to hear. There's a verse that needs to impact their lives, or there's a song that needs to inspire, or there's a handshake or a smile that they need on this day. So God, I just pray that you'd use this environment and the church to point people to real relationships and real significance. Thank you again for how you're using Valley Point in our communities. God, as we take time now to dive into your word and conclude our series, again, just challenge us, change us, we do pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm grateful to have walked through our series throughout the month of March called God, A Moral Monster, 
And that is a question, not a declaration, because here at Valley Point, we have no doubt about the goodness of God. But yet, there are these Old Testament passages we read occasionally that make Yahweh. And again, Yahweh is the primary name used of God in the Old Testament. And so we've been looking at these different Old Testament passages that sometimes make Yahweh out to be angry or unkind or unloving. But what we have discovered in our journey, and I hope you've discovered this with me, is that when we look at culture and context, when we really dive into that and when we sit in the story and, again, look at context and culture and what's really happening, one of the things that we discover is that God is indeed good, even though some of these passages make him out to be occasionally It makes him look like he's a little upset. But again, context and culture, we understand God is loving and compassionate and he's good. Today we're going to wrap up this series by asking the question, is God distant? Is God distant? I think sometimes we assume that God is busy running the universe and he doesn't have time for my pain and my hurts and my issues. Maybe he has time for other people's hurts, pains, and issues, but, you know, God's really busy, and he doesn't have time for my stuff. And we come to the conclusion that God may be a bit distant. He's out there somewhere. He created, but he's no longer engaged with his creation. And so I want to think through, is God distant? Today is also Palm Sunday. And isn't it beautiful that we have flurries a week before Easter, So hopefully that'll take care of itself before next week. Today's Palm Sunday, though, and Palm Sunday in the liturgical calendar starts what is commonly known as Holy Week, or the week leading up to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This is quite a week for Jesus. On Palm Sunday, he triumphantly rode into the city of Jerusalem and the crowds went wild. They put palms down in front of him to welcome him as a conquering king and everything was wonderful. Except for that same crowd turned against Jesus in just a few short days and the adoring crowd turned into an angry mob demanding that Jesus be killed. That all started on Palm Sunday. The incredible thing to me is that Palm Sunday, Holy Week, Jesus willingly walked through all of this for us. A remarkable thought. Jesus walked to his death and he did that for us. I can't think of a better way to conclude our series on is God a moral monster or not? I can't think of a better way to conclude this series than doing this on Palm Sunday, where we contemplate what Jesus walked through for us. And I think the events of Palm Sunday and Holy Week culminating in his resurrection is the greatest display of God's willingness to be near us. So I don't believe God is distant. I don't believe that. But there are some Old Testament passages that make us wonder. And so I want to think through this today. Here's our big idea. And I would encourage you to take out your talk notes now and fill in some of these blanks. Big idea. Your best spiritual year involves continually checking 
to see if you have distanced yourself from God. So I want to reverse the question a little bit because sometimes we're always thinking that God is distant and he's the one who has moved, but I think your best spiritual year involves me and you and us constantly checking to see if we have distanced ourselves from God. So with your Bible or device, I want you to find Psalm chapter 13. Again, we're considering, is God distant? I don't believe that he is, but here is the writer of Psalm 13 saying this, Lord, Yahweh, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? And then the psalmist says, turn, please, and answer me. O Lord, my God, restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. You read that and you wonder, okay, here's the writer and he's saying, how long will you forget me, oh God, forever? Forever? God, you're, you're out there somewhere, but how long? And then we read this a few chapters later in Psalm 22. The psalmist says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That word abandon is a very powerful Hebrew word that has the idea of forsaking or leaving behind. So we could say it this way. My God, why have you forsaken me? It's what the writer is saying. Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me behind? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift up my voice, but I find no relief. Verse 11, do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near and no one else can help me. Verse 19, O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Well, Psalm 13 and Psalm 22 are both written by King David. David was the second king of Israel, and he wasn't a perfect individual by any means. He often did things that upset Yahweh. That happened to him. But yet we find this in Scripture, speaking about David. Scripture tells us that he was a man after God's own heart, which is a great thing. David a man who was after God's heart, which would give us a picture that he's a pretty good guy. So here's David, the writer of Psalm 13 and Psalm 22, not a perfect individual, he's not, but yet he's, a, he's an individual who has a heart after God. And here he is saying, how long will you forget me, Yahweh? And when will you return the sparkle in my eye? Lord, do not stay far away from me. Here's a man after God's own heart saying these things. What chance do the rest of us have, right? That's how King David felt. 
What about us in these moments where we sense that God is far and he is not answering me and he is distant and we want that closeness? Well, what I would like to do is think through this for just a few moments and demonstrate from a quick review of some Old Testament thoughts about how God actually is close to us. And so I would call these four demonstrations of the nearness of God. All right, here we go. Number one, from the very beginning, we find God with his creation. From the very beginning, God is with his creation. He didn't spin everything into motion and then step way back and say, you know, good good luck with all of that. No, from the very beginning, God is with his creation. In Genesis chapter one and chapter two, we find God walking with Adam and Eve. We find God talking to Adam and Eve. God is spending time with them. And that's God's ideal. Last week, we talked quite a bit about God's ideal and what he initially created. And what we see in Genesis one and chapter two is that God is with his creation, walking with them and talking with them. They are together. And then Genesis chapter three comes along and sin enters and everything begins to change. But what we find in God's initial creation is that he was with what he created. That's God's ideal. Number two, throughout the Old Testament, there are clear demonstrations of God being with his people. So if you were to spend quite a bit of time and just read Genesis to Malachi, all of these books that make up the older part of the Bible, the Old Testament, you would find that there are clear demonstrations over and over and over again that God is actually with his people. I put together a quick list. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, we find God in the burning bush talking to Moses and calling him out to greatness. In Exodus chapter 13, same book, and in Numbers chapter 9, we find God in the pillar of cloud and in the pillar of fire, and he's guiding and directing his people. I've actually been reading the book of Numbers for my personal devotional time, and it's fascinating because in Numbers, again, you find God being demonstrated. He is in the pillar of cloud and in the pillar of fire, and that's how he directed his people. And I thought, you know, that's amazing to me because they could look outside of their dwelling places and say, well, there's the pillar right there, Yahweh. He is with us. And what we find in Numbers is that the pillar of cloud during the day and then the pillar of fire at night, this clear demonstration of the presence of God would often lift up and then move. And God's people knew, oh, Yahweh is moving We want to be with him. And so they would pack up all of their belongings and they would move to be with the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire because that's Yahweh, the presence of God. And they could point to that and say, look, hey, kids, come here. Outside the tent, check it out. There's the pillar of fire. Yahweh, he's with us a clear demonstration of the presence of God. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we find God in the earthquake. In Job chapter 38, we find God speaking through the whirlwind. Here's a word, speaking. Speaking, 
constantly throughout the Old Testament, we find God speaking to his people. Often it'll say, thus saith the Lord. He spoke to his people. He was with them, not distant, not out there somewhere, but with his people. And he often gave very clear demonstrations. I'm right here. I'm right here. As a matter of fact, the last book of the Old Testament, it's Malachi, our Italian buddy, if you remember him. Here's chapter four. It's the last chapter of the Old Testament, right? The, the whole Old Testament is about to be completed here. And here's what it says in Malachi chapter four, verse one. The Lord of heaven's armies says, and the rest of the chapter is Yahweh speaking to his people. Again, all of that to say, Yahweh is not distant, he is close. And throughout the Old Testament, there are clear demonstrations of God being with his people. Number three, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. If you turn from Malachi chapter four to Matthew chapter one, the very first book in the New Testament, verse 23 says, look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, say this with me, God is with us. Again, God is with us. The name of Jesus, Emmanuel, a clear demonstration. He's here, like not up there. He's he's down here. He's on the earth. Emmanuel, God is with us. And then number four, that guy, the Holy Spirit, that guy. So one day Jesus is talking to his close followers, and this is recorded for us in John chapter 14, and I would encourage you to read this. And Jesus is reviewing why he came with his followers, and he's saying, look, at some point, I will be arrested and I will be tried and I will be killed. And then a short time after that, I will rise again. And then a few days after that, I'm going to ascend and return to heaven. I'm no longer going to be here. Well, you know that had to be disturbing news for the closest followers. Like, wait a minute. We kind of like you. And we like spending time with you and you're incredible and you're healing people and we believe you to be the Messiah, the promised one. We don't want you leaving. And Jesus said, well, hang on just a moment because here's the deal. Here's the deal. I will be leaving, but my father will send another. He will send the advocate is what he was called, also known as the Holy Spirit, And then Jesus clarified that the Holy Spirit would take up residence within believers. And scripture makes it clear at the moment of salvation, when we trust in Jesus alone to rescue us, that guy, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, the advocate takes up residence within us, not out there, not distant, but near close, within the believer. An amazing thought. The overarching theme of scripture is that God is not distant. He's not, he's close. Yet, 
let's recognize the tension in the room. Our experiences often tell us, you know, I'm not so sure he's close because that's not how I feel today or during this season. And I'm doing what David did. I'm crying out to God and I'm wondering how long, how long? And I don't sense that closeness and there is no answer. And so how do we resolve this tension? What do we do? Well, I think that's a great question. And I think we have to go back to the Psalms and figure out what did David do as he walked through this? What did he say? And it's interesting to me that David took his questions and his doubts and his frustrations straight to God. By the way, God wants us to do the same. We don't have to hide those fears or those penetrating questions, even when we're doubting God. He invites us to bring all of that straight to him. He's okay with that. And that's exactly what David did in Psalm 13 and in Psalm 22. I left out a few verses though. And so I want to go back and share with you. Here's the conclusion David came to after questioning, after taking all of that to God, and after wondering, is God far? Psalm 13, verse 5. After all that, David said, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing to Yahweh because he is good to me. And that phrase good to me means he has dealt bountifully with me. So at some point after the questions and after the concerns, God dealt bountifully with David and he's able to respond this way. We, say, we see the same thing happen in Psalm 22. Verse 23 says, praise the Lord, all you who fear him, honor him, all you descendants of Jacob, show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but he has listened to their cries for help. If you like to underline or highlight, I would encourage you to grab that phrase. It's beautiful. He has listened to their cries for help. And if you have ever cried out to God in any kind of pain or anguish, and maybe you're even doing that right now, would you please know he hears? He hears. Yahweh hears. He has not turned his back on them. He has listened to their cries for help. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born, meaning Yahweh did something. He acted in some kind of way because his acts are going to be told. They will hear about everything he has done. Yahweh. I believe when you walk through the totality of scripture, you discover he is close. He is near. He is with us. In the Old Testament, he gave significant ways that people could point to and say, well, there he is. That's how he's acting. In terms of the New Testament, Jesus ascended to heaven and he gave us that guy. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And when we trust in Jesus alone, God, the Holy Spirit, takes up residence within us 
and he comforts and he guides and he instructs. He is with us. So God, not distant, not distant. He's close. He's near. Let me share three quick takeaways. Number one, if God feels distant, and maybe that's you, I think we've all been there at some point. If God feels distant, reverse the question and ask, am I distant? Have I stepped away from God? Have I moved away from him? Am I going in the opposite direction? We often assume the worst about Yahweh, that he left and he took off on me. But I think we have to reverse the question and say, am I the one? Is it me? Am I the one who's distant? It's a fair question for all of us to ask. Secondly, you, me, all of us, be a demonstration of the presence of Yahweh where you live, work, and play. So everywhere, everywhere that we go, be a demonstration of the presence of Yahweh. Preach with your life. Think about the miracle of the Holy Spirit within you. And share that with other people. You, be a demonstration of the presence of Yahweh. I think when we understand the miracle of the Holy Spirit within us, it resolves the distance issue. Because he's here. He's within me. He's near, very near. And then thirdly, trust. Trust. And maybe you've never taken that step, yet you are captured today with the reality that God is not distant. He can be in you. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is available to all who trust in Jesus alone. And I want to give you the chance today to take that step and to trust in the one, to trust in the God who is near. I want to close by reading Romans chapter 8 together. And I want us to read this out loud. I want it to be our response to a God who is near. And I want to encourage you to do this if you're comfortable. I just encourage you to put your hands out and open your palms in front of you to receive this as God's word to you if you're comfortable doing that. If not, that's okay. You'll still be able to walk through this with us. I want these words to fall into our hands and into our hearts and into our minds as God being near us. So let's read this together. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Father, we've walked through a significant series where we have asked some tough questions about what the Old Testament shares regarding you. And we've had some tough topics. We've talked about racism and sexism. 
and the anger of God. And I believe you've taught us quite a bit along the way about how you are a loving and compassionate God. You're just, but you're loving as well. And we see that demonstrated throughout all of Scripture. Today we've talked about whether you're distant or near. God, there are some disturbing things that are said, questions asked of you from writers of Scripture, like where are you and how long will you hide and when will you respond, when will you answer. And God, these are some of the same concerns we often have. I think sometimes we cry out and sense that there is no response. And we get concerned and maybe assume the worst about you not caring about me and my pain and my hurt and my circumstances. God, I pray that today would be a reminder that you are near and we can take all of our questions and our doubts and our concerns straight to you, just like the writers of Scripture did. But thank God, I think we have to be honest and also assess, am I the one who's distant? And then I think we have to be willing with our lives to be a demonstration of the presence of the Holy Spirit living within us if we've trusted in you alone. God, maybe there are some today who need to trust. I pray that you'd work in their hearts right now. And as we respond to you in these next few moments, help us to listen, help us to think, and help us to look to you, the God who is near. We pray this in the wonderful name of Yahweh, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Perhaps you're still not convinced that God is close, that he's near. I'd like for you just to take these next few moments, listen to this song, and let's respond together to what God might be whispering into our hearts. Oh
Father, we come to you and say we will wait. And sometimes that's what it takes, and that's what resolves the tension of not hearing from you. So God, in each and every situation represented in this room and anyone watching, God, I pray that you'd help us to wait. God, I also pray that you'd help us to trust in your faithfulness. Help us to trust. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been walking through some challenges and you're wondering, all right, God, where are you? I need a word. I I need to hear from you. I I need to know that you're for me. Would you just lift that up to God right now? Cry out to him. Talk to him and ask him to make himself real and just trust in his faithfulness. Have that conversation with him right now. Maybe you're here and you've never taken that step of trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you, to save you, and you've never embraced the leadership and the forgiveness that he offers. And today there's something stirring in your heart and you understand that by trusting in Jesus alone, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He takes up residence within you and you're desiring that then I would just encourage you in the quietness of this moment from your heart to God's ears, just tell him right now that you're trusting in Jesus alone. Admit to him that you're a sinner. He already knows that about us, but he wants us to admit to him that we fall short of his perfection, his holiness. Tell him that you're embracing his leadership and his forgiveness. Thank him for rescuing you. Palm Sunday, Holy Week, the death and the resurrection of Jesus for us, for you. Personalize it and trust in that work alone. And don't add anything else to it because there's nothing we can add. He did it all for us. So just tell Jesus right now, you're trusting in him alone. Invite him to be near to you. If that's a decision you've made for the very first time today, I want to say congratulations to you. You're a child of God and he will never leave you. He will never give up on you. He won't. He can't. He is with you. And today is a great day for you. It's a great day. You've trusted in Jesus. Congratulations. God, I thank you for these moments here where we get the chance just to question and to think like the psalmist did, like David did. God, I pray that we all would walk out of here with a fresh understanding that you are near You're not distant. And when you feel distant, God, help us to ask the questions about ourselves. Maybe we've moved. But for those that are struggling right now because they just want you, pray that you make yourself real to them today. Encourage them. Use what we've experienced here to lift us and to point us to you.
May the posture of our hearts and our minds be in your direction. The God who is near, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.